This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Last week, an elementary school in Hayward went up in flames. It had been closed for more than a year. Closed due to declining enrollment, the school district hadn't been sure what to do with Bowman Elementary. Now they know it needs to come down. Firefighters suspected that the flames were caused by squatters at Bowman Elementary, which became vacant after budget cuts. It's a bad outcome for a scenario that faces many school districts across California. What do you do with a school property? once it shuts down. The number of shuttered buildings and vacant lots owned by school districts in the state is increasing as the population of public school students shrinks. According to the state, there is $750 million worth of public school property in California that is designated as serving no purpose at all. As they face declining enrollment and budget cuts, what can school districts do with properties that are worth so much money? Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Jill Tucker joins me to discuss why empty and very valuable school properties are becoming a conundrum for embattled school districts. School closures have been at the center of fiery debates in districts like Oakland in recent years. Jill's here to talk about the expensive challenge that districts face once a school closes down. Why aren't districts more motivated to sell, even as they face budget shortfalls? And why is it so difficult for these buildings to be a solution to the state's housing crisis? Jill Tucker, great to have you on Fifth Emission. Thank you. My pleasure. Jill, there are hundreds of square miles of school property being unused or underutilized in California. Now, we've talked about declining student enrollment on the show before, but what else is happening? Schools have always owned patches of land for century or more. They were, you know, part of the founding of cities or when new developments were happening, they would get parcels of land to accommodate all the new families moving into communities. But we have both declining enrollment, which has been going on, but accelerated during the pandemic. And we also have a lot of old buildings, you know, in some cases that are so old or have issues that make it so expensive that it's it's really not worth necessarily fixing them or maybe there's not enough money to rebuild them. So as you have declining enrollment, you're not going to necessarily fix those buildings. So we sort of have a combination in places like San Francisco, especially, but all over the state, you know, buildings are a hundred years old or more. Mm -hmm. They were built with boilers and without air conditioning. They're not built to accommodate wildfire smoke and all of those things um, that we need for modern times. So combining that with a lot fewer students emptying out the schools and the classrooms, mm -hmm. it's creating sort of this accelerated issue of what to do with these plots of land. San Francisco Unified School District is one of the biggest property owners in San Francisco. And a lot of people learned that when Westfield announced its plan to surrender its mall. A lot of people were surprised to learn that the land the mall sits on is controlled by the district. What are some other areas of the city that San Francisco Unified owns? 
They own property all across the city, some obvious, you know, like schools, but then some not as obvious, like a plot of land at 7th Avenue in Lawton near UCSF. And it is this lovely plot of dirt and weeds that uh, people use as kind of a de facto dog park and a pumpkin patch and a Christmas tree lot. It's just a vacant piece of land that the district got from the city many years ago and has been just sitting there. And if, if you sort of think about, I mean, especially in a place like San Francisco, land is the equivalent of a gold mine. It mm-hmm. will sell for $1,000 a square foot or more. Little lots sell for a million dollars for maybe one small home. And so really, you know, when you look at sort of that unused land, it's hard not to see dollar signs. Well, going back to school properties in the Bay Area, school boards have debated and sold off shuttered school sites. How much money was there to be gained from sales like that? You know, it really depends on the the location where land is the most expensive, like in the Bay Area or Los Angeles or other places. There's pretty high dollar figures. So there was uh, an old high school in San Bruno, old Crestmore High School, that the school board decided they would rather have the money to fix other buildings that desperately need fixes and sell off that property. And they initially got $125 million for that high school site. Mm. That deal fell through because of issues with the city getting the permits for the developer to build residential housing. But there's another contract now in place in the upper $80 million. Mm. And so... You know, there was another elementary school plot. The San Bruno Elementary District is under contract to sell for $79 million. So the reality is that's that's a lot of money. (laughs) So, yeah, these properties can be worth a tremendous amount of money, billions of dollars in, you know, some districts. I mean, San Francisco, the amount of land that it owns, it's probably worth many, many billions of dollars, upwards of 20 billion or or more, perhaps. And that's significant, Jill, because school districts are struggling with budget issues. We know San Francisco Unified is struggling to pay costs like pension payments and higher salaries. On the surface, it seems like this is a good option to address those kinds of financial issues. But why isn't it that easy? Yeah, it's definitely not that easy. Selling public property in general, and specifically selling school district property, is a very, very complicated process. The state legislature has a lot of restrictions and a a long checklist of things that the district has to do before it can sell land. It has to be declared surplus. And then on top of that, there's all sorts of other things. And and as you can imagine, you know, a a lot of neighbors in, in areas where there's a school, they don't want to see their lovely little neighborhood school torn down and homes or apartments replacing it. And so there's a lot of battles that are involved in that at the local level. And so it it can be just a very onerous process to actually sell the land. In San Francisco, for example, it owns a massive block, full block of land near the Civic Center that used to be a high school and a performing arts center and an auditorium. The facade of that is historic. A lot of that area is historic. And what is left of the high school has some significant seismic issues in terms of using it as a school site. So that has been sitting there used for some administrative purposes for decades. 
And it's one of those things that the, the cost of doing anything with it is exorbitant, $300 million or more. But also getting the school board to decide to actually sell that land, trying to, to get everybody to agree on one decision, even though to sell that piece of land, I, I can't even guess how much money that would bring in if mm -hmm. they decided to sell the property. Selling underused school properties seems like a solution for district budget cuts and the state's housing crisis, but it's not that easy. Jill will share why after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Jill Tucker, on top of the difficulty in deciding what to do with empty school properties, there aren't even a lot of incentives for districts to try to sell these buildings because the state limits what they can do with the money from those sales. Tell me more about that. State law requires that uh, facilities money has to go back into facilities, capital projects, you know, a lot of different types of things. But you can't use it to pay salaries. You can't use it to buy a lot of things, supplies and other things. It, it has to go back into facilities. So it really limits what a school board can spend that money on. And that makes it even a little bit harder to justify selling that land when you're, you can only use it on buildings. Mm -hmm. There might be a little more support if people knew that it could buy a lot of stuff for kids or, you know, pay for teachers for a while. So all of that is restricted unless they get a, a state law that waives that requirement, which in the past has happened in places like Oakland, where the legislature said, if you sell some property, we'll allow you to use it to pay back your state loan. But again, very restricted in terms of, of where they want that money to go. And what about the idea that's been floated a lot? I mean, we hear it with Westfield Mall also. It's converting these properties into housing since the state needs so much of it. Yeah, that actually is a really popular idea. And the state legislature is about to make it much easier to convert school district land for housing, specifically worker housing, at least in part. So what you're seeing in some cases is uh, districts like in San Bruno selling property to developers, but also in San Francisco and other places, they are doing long-term ground leases to developers. So the district technically, like it at the Westfield Mall, owns the land but they will not own the development that's on top of the land. Mm -hmm. And it'll be like a hundred year lease. So essentially the developer is going to own this property, but the district will get money annually from the lease of that property. But the general idea is that it's a win-win because a lot of that's going to be low-income housing or housing for teachers and workers. And so that is a, a really popular idea. And the legislature's behind that, making it a lot easier for that property to be zoned 
for housing, not for school anymore. Because in the past, a lot of cities have been not necessarily supportive of that. And Mm -hmm. so even if the school district wants to sell the property, as we're seeing right now in San Bruno, the developers can't get their plans passed at the city council at the local level because of uh, concerns and complaints and traffic and this and that. So the the state law will make it a little bit easier. It'll overrule cities in terms of whether that land can be zoned for housing. And that sounds like a game changer, doesn't it? It could be. Yeah. We'll wait and see how it pans out at the city level, whether there are some loopholes that show up, but that law kicks in on January 1st next year. That may lead to more districts entering into land leases or selling because it, the the developers are going to be a lot more interested in that land if they know that they're not going to have that massive battle over zoning. Mm. So, Jill, while it sounds like many districts may have their hands tied in the meantime as they figure out what to do with these empty properties, are there consequences for them remaining unused or underutilized? Yeah, ironically, <laughs> we you know, even though it, the state law makes it a little difficult to sell these properties or, or in some cases develop them, they also penalize school districts for what they consider unused property. And, and it's a very specific designation. So for example, if a school district closes a school and it sits there for five years with nothing happening, the state will actually collect a fee of 1% of the value of the property. You know, it's not nothing. Mm. It's it's about uh, almost $8 million that the state collects. Not a huge amount of money, but money that school districts have to pay for not using their property. And so there's kind of a, a an incentive there to actually figure out what to do with those properties because sitting on it is costing them money as well. Yeah. So many people also think it's just really important that these properties remain in public ownership. Why are they advocating for that? In years past, and even still, I, you know, I think school boards sort of have this general idea that they are just the caretakers of the land and that if they sell something, it's gone forever. And the idea that they would ever have enough money or even the opportunity to buy land back should they need it in the future, it's not realistic. And so once they sell something, it's gone. School districts just in general have just put their foot down and said, we are not selling. And San Francisco has long been sort of of that mind and still saying that they are not considering selling any land. Uh, In Oakland, the school board president said he is philosophically opposed and will never vote to sell any school district property, that it belongs to the public and he doesn't have the right to sell. The other side of that, however, is that these are assets. Mm -hmm. There's money embedded in that property. I think people don't realize if you shutter a school, okay, that's fine, but you still have to maintain it. Mm -hmm. You still have to make sure that everything is safe and that the roof doesn't leak and that the grounds are well cared for. Or even if you shutter it entirely, like in Hayward, they closed a school last year, but there were break-ins stealing copper wire and there were localized fires. And then just this last week, a fire burned down the cafeteria in an adjacent building. They believe that homeless people may have set the fire. So there's a lot of money 
associated with security and fencing and all of those other things for buildings that are unoccupied or underused or completely sitting idle. Mm -hmm. It's a conundrum. You know, these buildings are taking money out of the district's pocket to maintain. So there's an argument to be made that this is an asset that should be looked at. Yeah. And this seems like an important discussion point, especially when the community gets so divided over things like school closures, as we've seen in Oakland. Oh, definitely. I think that's going to be as, you know, a lot of districts are really grappling with that. And deciding to close buildings is just the first step. And then what to do with that building is equally complicated. Mm. Jill, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Jill Tucker covers education for The Chronicle. Find her story about unused public school property at sfchronicle.com or on The Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. <laughs>